Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this opportunity to come tonight to worship, honor, and glorify you and saving us and doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. Amen. Eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here. One body, many parts. We're grateful for that. I'd like to thank all the faithful people that serve in the ministry as a core to keep this going. We all need each other for this to function properly. And if you do have a cell phone, please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity again, Lord, tonight to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more and more about you, Lord, and become more and more like you, Father. Thank you for getting us here all safely, Lord. Help us, Lord, to always try to put you first in our lives as soon as we open our eyes in the morning so we could be a testimony, a living example of you working in our lives, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, Lord, as our ultimate teacher and comforter and convictor, Lord, to show us what's right and what's wrong, Lord. And we're just so grateful for your word as our owner's manual to teach us what is true and to show us what's wrong in our own lives, Lord. Help us to always remain humble and teachable like, like clay in your hands, Lord, so you can mold us and shape us into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus, so we can glorify you and build your kingdom, Lord. We say a pres- special prayer tonight for our brother Larry, who's fighting off an infection, Lord. We pray that you touch his body, Lord, and heal him, Lord, and bring, to, uh, bring him back to us swiftly, Lord. I also say a special prayer for everybody, Lord, anybody who might not be feeling well, Lord, that you, that you reach into their hearts and touch them, Lord, and touch their lives and let them realize that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Lord, and you're with them every step of the way. And as always, Lord, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not my flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brady's going to come up and sing. We're going to worship the Lord.
How's everybody doing tonight? Okay, better now, huh? You doing okay? We'd also like to say a special thanks to the veterans that um, risked their life for our country. We pray that God protects them like they protect us. Amen. We owe them a lot. We don't want to ever forget what they've done for us and what they continue to do for us. Amen. We pray that the Lord touches their hearts and keeps them safe. We recognize that. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 12. We'll continue with our study of Deuteronomy. Good thing. So we've got verse 28. We're going to have to just back up a little bit. <laughs> Let's go to verse 22, and we'll go forward. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Just a reminder, the Holy Spirit will be taken over. I please ask that you be attentive to that and yield to that and not cause any distractions in our own minds or anyone else's that might deter that from getting a life-saving message to listen to what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Okay. Verse 22, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. The prince of demons. What a joke, right? Look at verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Well, I'll stop right there for a minute. Any church that is divided by civil war is doomed also. If there's anybody in church that harbors bitterness or resentment or slanders one another, the church will never grow. Amen? Just remember that. If there's any, the Bible tells us to clean the slate every morning. Forgive one another. Make allowances for each other's faults. Just as Christ has forgiven us. Remember, we're here to build each other up, not to tear each other down. None of us are perfect. None of us should try to hold anybody to a standard higher than Jesus. Amen? Amen. Okay. It's doomed. We want this ministry to grow and change. And what has to do? We have to grow and change, and not hold anything against people, love one another unconditionally, just as Christ loves the church. Amen? Yeah. Okay. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You know that in our biological family, right? There's always splintering and feuding in families, and they're never really together on everything. Some people, when the holidays come, oh, I'm not inviting them over, I'm not inviting them over, I don't like them, I don't get along with them. Well, that's not Christ-likeness. As Christians, we're to what? Reconcile with our biological families also and yield to one another and forgive one another. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 26. And if Satan is casting out Satan, 
He is dividing and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Verse 30. Anyone who isn't with me it opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. That's another topic for another time. I don't want to go into that. But really, you can't, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit, so you don't have, there's, there's no such thing as blasphemy against the Holy Spirit anymore because back then it was before Jesus came. So we have to understand that. Because if you don't believe in Jesus, well, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven either in this world or in the world to come. Well, there's some that don't believe that there's a spiritual realm and that there's a Holy Spirit. But they believe the Sadducees believed in, in Jesus, in the, but they never believed in the resurrection of the dead or anything spiritual. So that was like blasphemy. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. Jesus was gentle Jesus, meek and mild, right? Look what he said to him. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. That's a big one to swallow, isn't it? What comes out of your mouth is really what's in your heart. You know when you say, well, I didn't mean that? No, you really meant that. That was in your heart and it could not be contained. And that in that moment of time because anger gave a foothold to the devil and exposed you. Amen? Mm -hmm. So whatever comes out of your mouth is really where you are spiritually. A good person, look at verse 35, produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Amen? So, uh, you know, just a little fear, a good, healthy fear of God. Everything you say after you get saved, you definitely have to give an account for when you go talk to the Lord. Every idle word, every word you do say, everything that comes out of your mouth will have to be accounted for because he's going to say, I gave you and I taught you and you know what I want you to do, and if you choose to do it your way, you're going to have to give an account for it, amen? It should put a healthy fear in each and every believer. We should always be cautious of what we think, do, and say, amen? Because that's what keeps us on the right path. Everybody says, well, God knows me and I'm weak. No, you are not weak anymore. In Christ, we are strong as lions, amen? We can overcome our sin nature. We have to stop blaming that for our, what comes out of our mouth, amen? We have to start to say, you know what? 
I'm just not, I don't want to change. That's the problem. I like what I do. And that's not a good sign. Trust me. All right, let's go to our Deuteronomy study. And let's go to um, chapter 18. We're going to start there tonight. Just going to just run down Deuteronomy quick and what it's about. It's a great study, isn't it? Deuteronomy is a great book. Jesus used it. Matter of fact, it's, it's quoted in the Old Test in the New Testament more than any other one. Deuteronomy is the sermon Moses gave to the children of Israel, okay, before they entered into the promised land. Moses reviews the events of their history and the law. Deuteronomy actually means the second law, okay? It was the second reading of the law, the condition God gives for entering and holding the promised land for the Israelites was obedience. They entered into the promised land on the condition of obedience. Moses is pleading this book for obedience. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. He wanted the law to take a living hold on the people. God has now given Israel the opportunity to choose him, unlike in the first four books of the Pentateuch when he chose them. After telling the Israelites what blessings would be theirs if they obeyed, Moses also told them of the results of disobedience. Chapter 28 tells us what Israel might have been through obedience, Moses then spoke to 80-year-old Joshua, committing the leadership of the Israelites unto him. After Moses had sung a song, he went up to Mount Nebo and died after God had showed him the promised land. It is immaterial whether Moses wrote Deuteronomy 34 by revelation or whether Joshua added it later. They wept for him 30 days before entering the promised land. What's the punchline here? What could we glean out of what I was just what I just mentioned? What does it say? It says the condition God gives for entering and holding the promised land for the Israelites was obedience. Okay? They entered into the promised land on the condition of obedience. You want to enter in the promised land as a Christian, that state of mind of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit requires the same thing. Obedience to God's word, amen? That never changes. Back then, the promised land was a literal place. Right now, the promised land is a spiritual application that goes on inside our minds, amen? Whatever's going on in your life, you're stable, you're at peace, you're good with it, knowing God is guiding you, and when you're doing things God's way, there will be peace and joy in your life, amen? But if you do think, listen, don't think that you can do things your way and expect to get the peace and the joy and all the fruits of the Spirit that God offers us. It requires obedience to get into the promised land now. Heaven is our home guaranteed, but we can live like the devil down here and never enter into that place of rest that all of us come to church to get. Can I get a big amen for that? Amen. It is obedience. We don't have to obey we should want to obey so we can have all the promises that are in the Bible that we read. We can't have all this in heaven too. We can't stay in our sin nature and enjoy all the promised land. It just doesn't happen. All right. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're going to begin there tonight. Let 
a little halfway through now, Deuteronomy. I'm enjoying this study. I hope you are too. All right, gifts for the priests and Levites. Remember, verse 1, that the Levitical priests, that is, the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. Okay, in verse 1, the term Levitical priest described the entire tribe of Levi, okay? Technically, however, only Aaron's descendants were priests, okay? The non-priestly Levites were their assistants, like it says in chapter 12, verse 12. All right, verse 2. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession just as he promised them. Okay, the Lord himself is their special possession. The allotment of the Levites was spiritual, not territorial or material. They possessed the Lord by giving their whole lives to his service. Okay, this idea is a remarkable inverse of the idea that Israel was the Lord's possession. Amen? Verse 3. These are the pots the priests may claim as their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats that the people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. <laughs> oh, strange, right? Well, certain parts of the body, right? But let me just explain what, why. In the dietary fare of ancient Israel, okay, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach of oxen and sheep were the choice cuts. God's priestly servants were to be honored by receiving the very best. Amen? God's servants were to receive the very best of everything. Verse 4. You must also give to the priest the first share of the grain, new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all of your tribes to minister in the Lord's name forever. See what it says? You must also give the priest the first share of the grain. Actually, the representatives, the priests of Levi, were representatives of God. It's trying to say, you were supposed to give all the representatives of God the very best of everything. Amen? And that goes the same for today. You're supposed to give the spiritual leadership the very best of your time, talent, and your treasure, knowing that it's an offering to God. Amen? Because God's the one who puts us in charge of this whole ministry. Suppose, verse 6, a Levite chooses to move from this town in Israel, wherever he is living, to the place the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God, just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may eat his share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he also receives support from his family. Okay, in verse 8, support from his family. Although Levites were in full-time ministry at the tabernacle and later the temple, okay, they could still hold material assets of their own, like it tells us in Numbers 35, 1 to 8. 
the Levites were to be supported by the regular offerings designated for that purpose without having to forfeit any of their own assets. Amen? The Levites didn't have to give. They were the ones that received. They didn't have to give any portion of their income to the ministry. They were the ones who received it. It's the same thing now. Everything that the Old Testament did to the priest is the same thing as the ministry goes today. It's the same thing. The problem is the ministers today don't get the respect like the Levites got in ministry before. The Levites were set apart. The ministers today, we get involved in everybody's life. We look friendly. We don't get the same respect as they did, although we should. We should. But obviously, a lot of people mistake kindness for weakness, and they take you as, oh, you're just one of us. No. A servant and a leader of God is not just one of us. He's actually in charge of the whole ministry. Amen? Which should be worshipped, honored, and glorified like you would worship, honor, and glorify Jesus. But it's not, doesn't happen, especially in this one. It definitely doesn't here. I think I was just a little, I think I just spoiled everybody. That's what the problem is. Everybody's just spoiled. Instead of saying, I, I uphold upright respect for him, no, he's just like one of us. And just like, what I get talked to, the way I get talked to here is not like priests, even in Catholic Church, don't get talked to like that. Because they respect them, they see them in the thing. Here, it's all like, eh, eh. no, listen. Just because I'm friendly with everybody in kind does not mean I don't deserve the respect of any other leader in any ministry, amen? amen? And let me tell you one other fair warning. If somebody comes up against me and tries to think that they can usurp me or talk about me, listen, you're going to have to answer to God. And you see what happens to the people in the Old Testament that talked about the leadership, okay? A lot of them fell in a ditch, earthquakes came, they died horrible deaths. So don't think God's not protecting me and the leaders of the ministry. So that's just a fair warning. If anybody's thinking in their hearts anything that's going to sabotage it or cause any kind of discord in the ministry, it's going to have to be answered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Just a fair warning. All right, verse 9. A call to holy living. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. Why does the Bible tell us to come up out of the world? Because it's so easy for us to adopt them principles and bring them into the church. That's why he tells us to live separated lives. Amen? For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, or never make your son or daughter pass through the fire, and do not let your people practice fortune teller, fortune telling, use or use sorcery, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums, or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Very dangerous, all of that. I don't know about you, but I know before I was into this, I fell into some of that crazy stuff, and I unlocked doors for spirits, and now i got to fight that for the rest of my life because I unlocked them doors. The demons are always chasing me now. And I don't know if anybody else ever fell into any of that stuff. Just remember, you open the door, 
You cannot close it. Jesus is more powerful, but you'll always be fighting off these evil spirits because you unlocked it. Amen? So, so all I can say, that ever happened before, burn it. Whatever you did before, burn it. Repent of it. Bring it, sacrifice it to the Lord and tell him I'll never practice that again. Back in Acts, as we were in the book of Acts, right? They had millions of dollars worth of witchcraft books and sorcery. They had to burn it in the fire. Amen? So believe me, if there's anything that was attached to you before, it will attach to you when you're in a, in a, as a Christian too. And it's very dangerous to hold on to any of that stuff or even think about following it. Don't even try to mix it. All right, I'm going to explain it a little bit here, okay? I got into it. I wanted to get... Let's just get the seriousness of this, where people think it's a joke, following astrology and all this other stuff, right? Okay. God forbids it. Okay, in verse 10, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering, or never make your son or daughter pass through the fire. Some Canaanite religions included child sacrifice to appease their gods. Okay, Israel was strictly warned never to engage in this practice. It was mentioned in Exodus 34, verses 15 to 16, Leviticus 18, 21, 20, and 2 to 5. When they did it, it aroused God's judgment. Okay, like it says in 2 Kings 17, verse 16 and 17, 21, 6, and Ezekiel 23, 37. Fortune telling. Throughout the ancient Near East, diviners were considered experts at reading and interpreting omens. Divination was commonly done through, this is a, this is a crazy one, it's called ecstaspicy, okay? The examination of livers, kidneys, and other internal organs, okay, of various animals, all right? Ecstaspicy's underlying theory was that when an animal, usually a sheep or an ox, was sacrificed, it was absorbed by the god to which it had been offered, creating a direct channel to the deity by opening the carcass, the heresbacks presumed to peek inside God's mind and watch the future being created. That's how crazy it was back then. Now you know that God, we offered sacrifices to the Lord. But the pagan nations were doing it for a whole different reason, and they were worshiping different deities. That's crazy. When I looked into it, I'm saying, wow, that's some creepy stuff right there. They were actually looking into organs and stuff like that. Believe me, that still goes on today, by the way. Don't think it doesn't. All these things still happen today. That's why the country's in a place it is. It's full of evil and witchcraft. This whole country is. Because you can freely practice whatever you want in this nation. And people do. You, you can punch this stuff online. And let me tell you the stuff that comes up. There's millions and millions of followers that follow this stuff. Almost as much as in Christianity. But there's only one difference. These people really follow it. Christians just sit surface, don't even read their Bibles or believe it. These people are in it, they trust it and believe it and obey it. It's sad. All right, sorcery. Sorcerers conjured up the spirits, okay, of the dead. 
Divining cups were often used to interpret omens. Like it says in Genesis 44.5, drops of oil, listen to this, drops of oil will be placed in containers of water and the spread of the oil communicated some message to the expert. A parallel would be reading tea leaves, the practice of witchcraft, including performing unusual acts or signs, like it says in Exodus 7.11, to mislead people. Like it tells us in Malachi Three and five. You know when you put a drop of oil into water, it kind of has an effect like, like a rainbow? They, well, they said they were looking for a meaning from that. They dropped it in the water, and they said somebody would interpret what it meant, what the waves or whatever it looked like. Creepy stuff, right? <laughs> Instead of just saying, oh, man, I, I read this stuff, it's oh, man, I'm... I'm holding on to this. I don't know about you. Did anybody ever have a bad dream? Demons and stuff like that? Let me tell you something. You ever want, you know, you ever see somebody act out of character that you're around all the time? Say, wow, they're totally different. Let me tell you something. They don't have the possession of the spirit. They have the possession of Satan in them. And what happens is they start overruling them and they say, wow, they were really out of character. They were really mean today. It's because the devil had had a hold of them. Look, if you don't have Jesus, you've got no shot at not resisting that. Amen? Even Christians have to fight with that one. You know, you ever say to yourself, I don't even know why I'm angry. There's another force behind it, creating it. And guess what? Unfortunately, our flesh follows the anger. And we start what? And emanating onto other people, our anger and bitterness. Even in church. Okay. Another one, casting spells. In verse 11, these incantations were to destroy or injure others by invoking curses on them. The false prophet Balaam was hired for this purpose against Israel. Remember? In Numbers 22, verse 22 to 6. There's people that cast spells and curses in all nationalities, right? The Italians call it the Milwaukee-ish, and the, the Portuguese call it the, the, and they do it the whole. This stuff is real, though. It's real. What they, they, what they do is they get somebody's possession, a piece of it, a clothing, or a garment, or some part of it, and then they go pray to the demons over it to what? Cause problems in your life and cast a curse on you. Did you ever feel honestly in this world that you've been cursed? Yeah, well, it's not just the feeling. Things happen. We do get cursed. People that are jealous, they put curses on people. It's evil. He was warning them in Deuteronomy. Look, all Israel felt of all this stuff, by the way. They all, they all followed the demons instead of Jesus, instead of God of the Bible. And I don't know how many Christians today still mix this stuff, still go to mediums and fortune tellers and think nothing of it. Dangerous. Remember Samuel said, Saul, why are you trying to summon the dead to find out about the living? Does that make any sense? Right, they're going, they want to go to a seance and want to see what's going on. They want to go raise the dead to find out about the living. There's something wrong with that, ain't it? Instead of going right to who? The living God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> who knows everything anyway? 
All right, verse 12 now. Listen up. This is, this is a good chapter. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. True and false prophets. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Now, a prophet like me would be beyond the ordinary because Moses was without peer among the prophets, like it says in Deuteronomy 34, 10 to 11. Okay? This prophet would be from among your fellow Israelites, literally from among your brothers, and Israel was required to listen to him. Deuteronomy 18.19 The prophets of Old Testament Israel would partially fulfill the function of God's spokesman to whom Israel must listen. Right? Later, Judaism looked for this prophet as a major messianic figure. Like it tells us in John 1.21 and 6.14 The New Testament identifies Jesus as this prophet. Okay? In Acts 3.18-26 now, you know it as well as I do. How many false prophets were in the Old Testament? And the, the, the real true prophet that God sent them, they didn't want nothing to do with him. Why? Because their hearts were not for God anymore. They, they compromised with the other nations, and they listened to the false prophets to say, don't worry about it. Sin it up. Don't worry. God's grace covers it. God loves you. You can keep sinning and doing what you want. Don't worry. Judgment's not coming. And what did they do? They jumped right on that message. And the one that was saying, repent, stop doing it. Judgment's coming. They said, he's a troublemaker. Let's get rid of him. And they killed him. It's the same thing in Christianity today. You'll get a guy like me coming up here preaching truth. And they'll say, we don't want to listen to him. He don't know what he's talking about. Know that place that has 35,000 followers? Follow him. He knows what he's talking about. Peace and prosperity. Name it, claim it. The blessings of Abraham's are yours. The Bible contradicts that message clearly. He says how much we have to suffer for his namesake. What are the people judged by? Outside appearance. But God looks at what? The heart. Somebody with a heart after God teaches truth, not lies. Because if you have a healthy fear of God like I do, believe me, God holds me accountable way more than he holds you accountable. Especially as a teacher. We were saying it back in the Old Testament. says, you priests have to face judgment for what you're doing. You're misleading the people. They got in big trouble. I'm saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, no. I ain't got in enough trouble already. I don't need any trouble from God. Amen? Neither do you, by the way. So you're better off just listening to what he says and obeying him. Okay. Look at verse 16. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. 
Hebrew, Moreh, Horeb, another name for Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore or see his blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. Okay, in verse 18, the prophet would be the Lord's spokesman as Moses was, like it says in chapter 4, verse 10 to 17, in Exodus 7 to 1. Now, they didn't want to hear from God because they feared him, right? But they, they could, they could the, false, the prophets, they could what? Shun the prophet. They, could, they didn't have any healthy fear of the prophets at all. They had a healthy fear. God said, no, we don't want God anymore. That's gonna, we're too fearful of him. Right, but that's what they needed. They need to hear the voice of God. So God said, I'm going to send you a spokesman to hear, so you can hear my voice. And they didn't want to hear that voice. They wanted to hear the voice of the false prophets. And they did. God gives you, listen, God will give you what you want. But just remember, there's always a consequence for what you ask for. Be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. And it could be problems. Verse 19. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. Not to listen to the Lord's spokesman is not to listen to the Lord. Do you hear that? Somebody's up here preaching truth. When you don't want to hear the guy behind the pulpit preaching the word of God, you do not want to listen to the Lord. It's not me. Like I said, the Holy Spirit takes over. If what I'm saying starts to convict you and confront you, you are what? Rejecting the words of God. And if it is convicting you and confronting you, you say, oh, whoa, whoa, God is speaking to me. I better change my ways. That's what it's all about. It's not me that's speaking anymore. Look at verse 20. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. The Bible says any prophet of God had to be 100% accurate Every, everything that they said had to come to pass 100%. And if it didn't, it wasn't God's prophet. That's how you can tell the difference. You will know the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. Any prophet whose prediction fails must be branded as false even if he claims to speak for God. The mere claims is insufficient if it goes unfulfilled. I don't know how many people said that they're prophets now. They're saying, oh, 2020 is the end times. 2019 is the end times, right? Here comes 2000 came, right? No, no nothing happened. Right? Oh, must have been a false prophet, right? Because there is no more prophet. People love hearing that stuff. Oh, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. You know, God spoke to me for you. They, here's what they do. God spoke to me for you. And I'm saying, no, God speaks to the people to, directly now. 
You don't yeah. have to go to a priest anymore. Right. And people are like, oh, what did God say? Give me your paycheck. God said, you've got to give me your paycheck or else you're going to get judged. <laughs> really? You're not giving, I'm not giving enough? No, God said, you've got to give me more. Believe it or not, people fall for that all the time. They take people and thinking that they're prophets, that they're like the very words of God are speaking through them to them. The only time the true words of God are speaking to anybody behind here is when I'm reading the Bible. That's it. <laughs> Everything else that he's predicting is not true. Amen? And people, uneducated Christians get wrapped up in this all the time. Because why? They don't know God because they never read the Bible from cover to cover or got taught anything that was true. Amen? Amen? Because if you don't know the Bible, I can make that, if you don't know the Bible, I can make that scripture say whatever I want to you, to your own destruction. And that's what they do. They don't tell you to read your Bible. Just come to church. I'll read it for you. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. You get nothing but truth here. I want you to read your Bible. So nobody, even when you're not here, can get triggered. Because I know people listen to other stuff when they're not here. Say, oh, they say the same stuff. But look at the agenda behind the stuff that they're saying. So look behind it. So what, what, what's involved? Oh, yeah, they're preaching the good stuff. But what are they doing? What are they asking for? What do they want? What do they got? Jets and Jaguars and Porsches? And say, oh, yeah, but it's the same message. Well, you know what? Where's my jet Jaguar in Porsche? How come I don't get one? Jesus didn't even have a place to put his head. But they'll listen to somebody like that. Oh, they're prominent. Look, he has a jet to go around the world for a mission. No, he's got a jet so he can go wherever he wants on his own missions. If God calls somebody to go somewhere like overseas... I'll have to go to Green Airport, buy a plane ticket, get on the plane, and go there. I don't own the plane. Oh, I need transportation. What do I need? Oh, I need a Countach. I need a Lamborghini Countach. I don't need an 85 Corolla. Everybody thinks... The blessings of Abraham are material. They're not. The blessings of Abraham are internal blessings of joy, peace, that money, Lamborghinis and jets can't give you. It's ridiculous, amen? It's crazy. All right, let me just talk a little bit. We're not going to get into the other chapter. Let me just talk about Deuteronomy a little bit here. The priests and the Levites serve much the same function as our ministers today. Okay, their duties included teaching the people about God, okay, setting an example of godly living, caring for the sanctuary and its workers, and distri distributing the offerings because priests and Levites could not own property or pursue outside business interests. God made special arrangements so that people would not take advantage of them. Okay, often churches take advantage of the men and women God has brought to lead them. For example, ministers may not be paid in accordance to what their skills or the time they put in, or pastors may be expected to attend every evening meeting, even if this condi 
Continual abstinence is harmful to their families. As you look at your own church in light of God's word, what ways do you see to honor the leaders God has given you? In verse 18.10, child sacrifice and occult practices were strictly forbidden by God. These practices were common among pagan religions. Just imagine throwing your kid into a fire. Israel's own neighbors actually sacrificed their children to the god Molech. Leviticus 20, verse 2 to 5. Other neighboring religion used supernatural means, such as contacting the spirit world, to foretell the future and gain guidance. Okay? Because of these wicked practices, God would drive out the pagan nations. In Deuteronomy 18.12, the Israelites would have replaced their evil practices with the worship of the one true God. What is, this, what is it like? Removal of the old man and what? Worship and replacing that with what? The worship and honor of God. Whatever was in your past has to go. So you can't hang on to any of it. You can't have both. What do Christians do? All this in heaven too. It's either one or the other. Okay. Before we close, let me just say a couple more things here about this. The Israelites were naturally curious about the occult practices of the Canaan religion. And that even us, right? We're, before I became a Christian, I was, that was mesmerized by that supernatural stuff that was out there. I really was. And they were too, right? But Satan is behind the occult. And God flatly forbade Israel to have anything to do with it. Today, people are still fascinated with horoscopes, fortune-telling, witchcraft, and bizarre cults. Often, their interest comes from a desire to know and control the future. But Satan is no less dangerous today than he was in Moses' time. In the Bible, God tells us all we need to know about what is going to happen, right? It's in the Bible. God tells us the information Satan offers is likely to be distorted or completely false. With the trustworthy guidance of the Holy Spirit through the Bible and the church, we don't need to turn to occult sources for faulty information. Amen? That was a really strong chapter right there. We should read it over and over and over again. All right, we're going to stop there. It's 8 o'clock. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Definitely an eye-opener about all that crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'm wondering why still things are still happening in my life and things are still following me. Because I open doors to the ungodly. I'll tell you what, I'm not opening them doors anymore. All right, we're going to play a song. Oh, no, we're going to close. We're going to close for us. Drew, you want to come up and close us? Go ahead. We're going to follow all day for this message, Lord. Thank you for showing us the seriousness of how dangerous it could be to travel in Satan's devices, Lord. We pray that we always stay focused on your word, Lord. And yes, Lord. Lord, let the Holy Spirit lead us into truth and things uh, your spirit, Lord, that guides us and directs us into the right way to go, Lord. I just thank you for this ministry, Lord. Pastor John, which is the word how you intended it to be taught, Lord. And I just pray that we go between the 
build each other up and love each other. Let us love people out in this world, Lord, so we can see that Jesus is in us. Yes, Lord. Amen. All right. Thanks, Drew.